Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you, those who are watching by live stream with us today. Be sure and, and uh, let us know you're watching. Give a little shout out there to us. Uh, the more uh, people who are watching by live stream, the more we kind of update things. We're at a cross point right now of whether or not for me to wear makeup or not. So if you get, <laughs> if we have a certain amount of viewers, I'm going to start wearing makeup. Amen. And then that next step, I'm going to get a toupee. I, it, you know, that's coming, folks. I'm just telling you right now, it is coming. You let us know if you're watching my live stream. Amen. We're thankful. Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 15. want to just speak this morning and uh, to our graduates, but also to every one of us in this place. I'm so thankful for graduates that still love the Lord and still attend church. And, uh, and, and I pray that you'll always, that will be something that you'll carry with you. And that no matter what this world says, serving God more important than anything else you'll ever do in your life. I guarantee you. Exodus chapter 15, and we're skipping over uh, a few chapters here. Uh, we'll go back next week at Memorial Day and pick those up. Uh, but uh, just understand that in chapter 15, the Egyptian army has already been destroyed. They're wiped out. And uh, they're on their road to the promised land. And beginning in verse 22, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Verse 26, and he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Father, thank you this morning. You're holy. <laughs> You're awesome. Mm. We stand in awe that you would even see fit to even visit us in this place. But, oh, God, we know if it's not for your, your Holy Spirit in this place, everything we do is useless and in vain. I pray today, Lord Jesus, you will speak to our hearts that we'll answer that call, whatever you've got for us. I pray for our graduates. Lord, I pray your hand would be upon them. and They would be consumed with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Now, Lord, uh, our land, our churches, our homes could turn around and, Lord, uh, make you Lord again. Have your way in our lives, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first day after 
they've seen the miracles of God was probably a good day. The Bible says in chapter 15, beginning about verse 1 through verse 21, more than 30 times uh, the word Lord, God, Jehovah, pronouns he. I mean, they're, they're singing the songs with Moses is what they're doing. That day one, they're praising the Lord. Their Egyptian cohorts are all dead. Their corpses are left back in the Red Sea. And they're excited and they're praising the Lord. Day two, it's a little more monotonous, a little more tiring. Uh, they're not quite singing with the compassion that they sang with on that first day. I ought to stay there a little while. We ought to have that compassion to serve the Lord and worship the Lord no matter what day it is. Sometimes, though, in our churches, we get complacent. We get in a rut. We kind of, hey, we know he's God. Hey, we know he's God. Well, somebody notify your face, would you? He's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That second day is a little tougher than that first day. And then when you hit that third day, they're probably getting tired. Their water skins are about empty. Their mouths are getting uh, kind of scratchy, their throats. Their tongues are beginning to swell. Their lips are parched, and they've used all the bliss texts that the uh, emergency room has. And they're down now to come to get some water. And they come to a place called Mara. And the water is there, but the water is bitter. The water is bitter. So what do they do? Well, surely, my goodness, it's only been three days since they've seen the king of kings do miracle after miracle. Surely they're going to trust God. But they fold. They begin to complain. They begin to murmur. What are we going to drink? You see, the wilderness is a picture of this present world. And, and I'll be honest with you, if you're here today and you're not saved, this world's probably all you need. You'll probably be happy here. But I tell you, for those of us who know Jesus, we're looking for a place not built with hands. We're looking for a city that we've not been to before. This world's not my home. This is just a, a little getting off place right here. Yes. We're headed to another place. Colossians 3 says, If ye then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And he goes on to say, Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of this earth. What are you living for? As you graduate high school or you graduate college, what are you living for? Another good time? Another notch in your belt? I mean, what, what's your passion? What are your priorities? Are, are you really prepared to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a question for every one of us. I read about a band director in junior high that got their band together and organized it and all. The principal of the school. You know, how many of you know principals can be mm, tough, amen? The principal of the school decided they needed to have a concert. The band director wasn't sure anybody knew their parts well enough to have a concert. They were all nervous. So they, the band director, just before they did the concert, she leaned over and said, listen to all the students who were nervous. If you're unsure, just don't play. Okay? And she gets up to leave them, and 
the downbeat, there's nothing. <laughs> Silent. Nobody is prepared. Folk, I want to tell you, you need to prepare. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. We need to be prepared to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know when that's going to be. Most of us have an idea that we're going to live like Abraham and we're going to die in our pajamas, go down to J.C. Penney and get us a new pair. And we're going to lay there in bed and we're going to bless our children and our grandchildren and those are going to be our last words. And, but the real truth is, I preach a lot more funerals out of people who die in their street clothes than they die in their pajamas. Yesterday, dear Kristen, 35, 36 years old, just like that. Uh, I, Brother Joseph up in uh, Hughes Springs, he's got a, a niece that I think 13, 12 or 13 years old, got hit by a car this week, dead, just like that. Folks, you got, you got to be ready. We don't know. We don't know when the Lord's going to come for us. We don't have any idea. So the thing is, is to be ready. And, and when we're ready, we're taking those first steps. And sometimes they're difficult and sometimes they're tedious. It's, it's like a baby taking his first steps. They're wobbly and everything. But, but or maybe the first day of school, it's usually worse on the mothers than it is on the kids. But those kids are, uh, it's something new. Maybe your first day when you went to college, now you're graduating and you're secure. But these high schoolers, uh, let me just give you a little word. College is not really a whole lot like high school. There's a whole lot of difference between high school and college. And the, the first days after you graduate, what do you do now? The important decisions you make. Because the decisions you're making now will determine where you'll be five years from now. I remember when Jamin walked across here and graduated as a high school senior. Now she's walked and graduated as a college senior. Man, time flies. There are difficult situations, and it happens even for Christians also. And, and the, the first insight into the wilderness we get here is that this world doesn't have anything we want to offer. It's not going to satisfy you. The only thing that will satisfy you is the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you got a hunger and a thirst for the Lord in your life? Whether you're a graduate or whether you've been graduated 20 years, has serving the Lord kind of gotten old to you? Just kind of the routine? I mean, you parked this morning, you came to church, you're not expecting very much. You always expect good music, but you're not expecting a whole lot else other than that. You're just going to have a great time. How many of you are hungering and thirsting for the Lord? Blessed is, are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. As we think about learning uh, lessons, uh, it, it's a, it can be a bitter experience. It can be good, but it can be bitter. Let's look at it here. I, I was trying to think this morning, uh, babe, I couldn't remember in the first service whether it was Jason or, or Jeremy at Piccadilly. Which one was it? It was Jeremy. 
I knew I'd get an answer for that. I, I knew I'd get an answer for that. We were in Piccadilly Cafeteria many years ago. Jeremy, uh, we'll use Jeremy. I'm not sure if it was Jeremy. I think it was Jason. I really do. I think it was Jason. Anyway, Jason was there, and his mamaw had him, and he was throwing a wall-eyed fit. I mean, a fit. And what he wanted on, on Piccadilly's wall going down the line on Sunday, you're always lined up in line, and there were lights every so often. And he wanted to get one of those lights. And his mamaw was fighting him, and she gave out, and she threw him over to Becky, and Becky was fighting him, and he was still throwing a wall-eyed fit. She threw him to me, and I just walked over and let him touch that light. Do you know he's never wanted to touch a light since then? You can't even get him to change a light bulb. Listen, what I'm saying is sometimes we got to get burned before we learn the lesson. And the children of Israel here at Mara, they've learned some lessons. Let's look at them. First of all, they learned some lessons about life. We need to learn some lessons about life. One, life is a mixture. Somebody tell you, you come to Jesus, everything's all right, you won't have any more problems, you grab your pocketbook because if they'll lie, they'll steal. I'll tell you, you come to Jesus and you may have more problems than you've ever had in your life. Your family may uh, uh, disown you. The friends you thought you had, they'll say, huh, we don't want any of that mess. Israel had just experienced the great blessings. Now they've got to face the bitter as well as the blessings. And unfortunately, uh, it happens. Life is a mixture. It's good and it's bad. Job 14.1, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. How many of you can say amen? And then, then uh, Ecclesiastes, therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought unto the Son is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. For all his days are sorrow. Uh, and his travail grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Now I want to tell you, I don't want to just leave you with the fact that life is distressing and that life is difficult and that life is full of trials because there's a lot of good times in life too. The first time you eyes locked on to that one you fell in love with, man, that's good. I mean, uh, the, the, the fact that uh, a, a child is born and you hold that baby in your hands for the first time, that, that's good. Landing that job you want, that's good. Living in darkness and suddenly being delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ into the marvelous light of salvation, that's good. There's good and there's bad. But don't ever be Naive enough to think that just because you come to Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen because there's good and bad. They learned this lesson. Life is a mixture, but also life has a master. When Israel arrived at Mara, they seemed to forget about all the wonderful things God had done. I mean, my goodness, the plagues, they'd just gone through 10 major plagues, and Israel was not affected by any of them. They had just been delivered uh, from, from the slavery of Egypt. They had seen the miracle at the Red Sea. The Lord had been in absolute control. God is master of their life, and yet they come up against a little difficulty here, and they forget all about what God has done. Romans eight twenty eight says, we know, not we think, we know. 
All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You, you remember the disciples on the boat in John chapter 6? They had been over on land rejoicing in the miracles. They'd seen him feed thousands and everything. They get on a boat less than three hours later. They're in a storm. They've forgotten that Jesus is anywhere around. They've forgotten what God can do in the miracles. They're worried to death. They're worried to death. Hey, if you got time to worry, you got time to pray. Hmm? Amen? Life is a mixture. Life has a master. But also life has a ministry. God uses those times, good and evil, to teach us lessons and to draw us to each other. I wish I could tell you that the best time we learn is when God's blessing. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, God just bless, and man, we just grow more spiritually, and we get closer to God. But that, you know that's not true. The time we learn the most is when our backs are up against the wall. And we're saying, oh, God, why did this happen? God, show me something. I need to hear something from you. You see, life has a ministry, and he has called us to minister to other people. And what we go through sets us up so that we can help somebody else down the road. Mm. They learn some lessons about life. But let, let me tell you what else they learn. They learn some lessons about themselves. Those are the hardest lessons to learn. I mean, when you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you begin to say, Lord, examine me. Show me. Show me. This uh, time here at Mara revealed some circumstances and some characteristics about the Israelites that they probably didn't want to know. The first thing it revealed was this. They were selfish. They were living for their self. They were only concerned with their own satisfaction. They forgot the great things God had done. They'd forgotten all about those things. They're just talking about themselves. They're caught up in themselves. They're consumed with their own personal needs. Does that sound familiar to anybody in this place today? I mean, we're worried about ourselves. Hey, you better take care of your retirement. Nobody else is going to look out for you. Worried about ourselves. Matthew 6, says that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. They were living for themselves. And then they were walking by sight. I hate to tell you this, but the Word of God teaches that if we're not walking by faith, we're walking in sin. God requires us to walk by faith. They're walking by sight. Israel was guilty of looking for satisfaction in all the things of the world around them and not the God who brought them to where they are. We're in the same boat, folks. Listen, college guys and, and, and high school graduates, if you're not careful, you'll get so consumed in the material possessions of this world that you'll take your eyes off the God who brought you into this world. Walking by sight, we're guilty of the same thing. Luke chapter 10, the disciples have had a good day. Uh, it's been a day like today. The sun's shining. Man, everybody's feeling good. They're out in the fields ministering to people. And they come back, and they're so excited around the Lord. They're saying, Lord, we touched these people, and they were healed. Lord, we were able to cast out demons. Lord, we were able to heal the, the, the broken uh, and, and maimed. And Lord, we just said, ooh, it's been a great day, Lord. 
And you remember what the Lord told him? He said, hey, guys, this is East Texas translation. Quit, quit thinking about all that you've done. You know what you ought to be glorying in? That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what we've got to brag on this morning. That our name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. If your name has been written in that Lamb, let me tell you, you've got something to shout about this morning. Uh, there's Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Romans 1.17, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. They were living for their self. When you live for yourself and when you live by sight, let me tell you, the third thing always happens, they were never satisfied. You ever been around folk like that? I mean, if you hung them with a new rope, they wouldn't be happy. They wouldn't be happy. Never satisfied for anything. You know, these people just three days before had seen the Lord destroy the greatest army in the entire world. They had seen God part a great sea and deliver them. They had seen him take that same sea and use it to defeat their enemy. And they praised the Lord more than 30 times singing, Hallelujah, God, you're good. God, you're awesome. And then when they're up on the mountain, they're happy. And when they're down in the valley, they're complaining and murmuring. What, what, what are we going to do? Moses, what are we going to drink? What, what are we going to do? God's plan for our lives, seniors, no matter who you are, I don't know what kind of job you're going to have. It'll be different for different people. But I can assure you, if you're looking for the will of God in your life, I can tell you what the will of God is for your life. That is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in everything you do. That's it. You do that, and all of these other pieces will fall into place. It is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. They learned some lessons. They learned lessons about life. They learned lessons about themselves. And then they learned some lessons about the Lord. <laughs> uh, they learn that he's always aware of our needs. Did you know God knows what your needs are? Even before you come to him to ask in prayer for your need, God already knows what your needs are. God knew what they would face at Mara. He planned the journey. My soul, he's the one that parted the Red Sea. He's the one that had them where, they wanted to, where he wanted them to be. Has it ever occurred to you that it's never occurred to God? <laughs> God's never said, ooh. We were eating breakfast the other morning. Charlie sitting there, he's always a hoot, I tell you. He, he, something happened, and he said, well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, have mercy. <laughs> Let me tell you, God's never said that. God knows. He knows what happens tomorrow and next week. He knows that. He knows the sickness that you're going to develop. He knows what you're going to go through. He knows the heartache of losing loved ones. He knows your grief while you're still grieving. He knows that bill that you need to pay before it's ever even been sent in the mail to you. He knows what you need. God is aware of the needs, but that's not where it stops. See, sometimes as parents, I've been aware of some of my kids' needs, but there wasn't a thing I could do about them. I was aware but there's nothing I can do. Now listen to me. God is not only aware of your needs, 
God will meet your needs. God will meet. He's able to meet the needs that you have. Moses was commanded to cut down a tree and cast it into the waters. And when he did, the waters were made sweet. Listen, God in his wisdom had already prepared that tree. It was already set there. It's not by accident that they're at the waters of Mara and the trees sitting right there. God's already set all of that up. He's able to meet your needs. When man was placed on this earth, man didn't have any needs. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were placed in a perfect garden. There were no needs, none whatsoever. But then man sinned, and he became a needy creature. And every one of us in this room today are just as needy as anyone else in this room. There's no one in this room righteous, no, not none, period. We all have need. When Jesus came and died on Calvary, he repaired everything that Adam destroyed. His death on that tree, he was able to make bitter waters sweet again. That's what the cross is all about. We find everything we need and every need we have to be met when we're in a right relationship with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Through the cross of Christ, bitter waters are made sweet again. He's aware of our needs. He's able to meet our needs. And could I just tell you this morning in closing, he's already provided for our need. He's already provided. Years before Israel arrived at Marah, God caused that seed to come up and that tree to be planted there at the very place where they would need it. Uh, he does the same thing for us. The need you have, as frightening as it may be, is only the evidence of God's supply in waiting. And let me tell you, when God shuts down one avenue, he'll open up another avenue. Israel would have never known this characteristic of God had they not been faced with this need. Job would have never known that he could have everything restored by God unless, first of all, he lost everything. Lazarus could never have known that he could have physical life again unless, first of all, he had lost physical life again. Mary and Martha would never have known that Jesus was the resurrection and the life unless, first of all, they had known grief. All I'm telling you this morning is, guys, the Lord uses bitter episodes of life to reveal himself more fully to his children. And when we stand at the bitter waters of Mara, and now listen to me, high school graduates, college graduates, it's not if we stand at Mara, it's when we stand at Mara. We will stand at the bitter waters of Mara. When we stand there at those waters, and we know that God is still on his throne and that he's in control, and he helps us through that situation. I'm not telling you it's easy. It's not easy. I'm not telling you that at all. But I'm telling you, if you by faith would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Listen to me this morning. The greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is to surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. Oprah says there are many ways. Oprah's wrong. There is only one way. 
for you to have eternal life. And that is through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man. I don't understand how you can't understand that. No man comes to the Father but by me. You've got to come through Jesus. That's the only way. But he stands with open arms. And I'll, I'll tell you what I've learned about my, my Savior is that uh, the deeper I get in trouble, it just seems like the more open his arms are to say, come on. Hey, I'm standing here. What are you waiting on? Come on. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You want rest? I'll show you where you can find rest. You won't find rest in this world. You'll only find rest in Jesus. So maybe today you've never trusted Christ, but today is your day of salvation. Maybe today you just need to come to this altar and say, Lord, there's some trials I'm going through. There's some grief that I'm going through. And I'm not telling you that God's going to take it away instantly. But I am telling you that if you'll ask him to show you what he wants you to learn, he'll teach you some things through that grief. He'll teach you some things through that trouble and trials. Maybe you just need to come and say, God, I've been, been running this show all by myself, and I need to give it to you and let you have control. Maybe this morning you need a church home. Hey, I love live stream and all that, but there's nothing that takes the place of being in the house of God and being with the people of God. I invite you to come and be a part of this church. Father, thank you this morning for the lessons that you've taught the nation Israel. Lord, thank you that we can glean from that. I pray especially today, Lord, I pray for our graduates, that you will just encourage them, build a hedge of protection around them and keep them safe in these evil days that we live in. Lord, how easy it is to be tricked by the devil and to end up on a wrong way street. God, would you bless them. And Lord, I pray today that that one that needs to be saved, Lord, before they leave this place, they'll come to Jesus before it's too late. For those that need to make decisions, let your will be done in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, I ask you, Lord Jesus, amen. Brother Aaron, lead us. Stand